Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wealth Tech Show. This week, we're entering the the possibly morbid, well, I, I think it is morbid, world of death tech, or to be less crude, the technology that helps us to deal with bereavements and remove stress from a painful and unwanted certainty in life. I'm joined this week by Sam Grice, CEO and founder of Guardian Angel, which helps people to deal with and plan for death. Now, it's a, it's a taboo subject to some. It's a difficult subject for sure. And it's a process that perhaps seems more suited to the human aspects of financial advice and wealth management, uh, such as empathy and understanding. But regardless, there is lots that tech can do to help. And Sam is going to talk us through it. So Sam, welcome to The Wealth Tech Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, what do you make of that introduction? Do you, do you think I'm right? Because when we were talking before, just before we started recording, you were saying, do you know what? This isn't really a morbid topic. Do you, do you, do you think it's not? Yeah, no, I don't think death is, is morbid. I think it's uh, the initial reaction to it is kind of a bit of back up and maybe this is morbid. But I think, yeah. um, I mean, we, we as a company deal with it every day. We deal with people, you know, writing their wills right through to, you know, losing parents, losing children, which is obviously on the very extreme end of bereavement. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's not morbid. It's part of life. It happens every day. Um, and yeah, the more we talk about it, the less morbid it will be. So that's that's really stiff upper lip stuff. Yeah. That. You, you could be British. I'm not sure <laughs> if you check the family tree there, I'm sure. Um, look, could you uh, give us a summary of, of death tech and what it involves? Because obviously, I feel like death tech's quite a quite an ex- exciting is the wrong word, but it's a kind of name and terminology that's going to get attention. So, so what exactly is it? Yeah, so it's a good question. I mean, in, in startup land, we love to like phrase things and what we're doing. Um, and you know, you've got legal tech, fintech. Um, the way I always looked at it was was we 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 deal with death. That's what we do. Um, whether it's post death support or pre death planning, um, and we've developed a suite of tools, uh, technology tools, to help people through that process. Um, so death tech sounded natural for us. It's becoming more and more of a thing globally. Um, and ultimately, it's you know where yes, we offer legal services. Yes, we offer insurance services. But we're not both of them. Where we're death, they're both around the one event, which is which is death and death planning. So yeah, and it's a massive market as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Even in the UK, I've written about Farewell before, who I think have raised where well, they raised eighteen point five million pounds mm. in twenty twenty. Yeah, that's huge money. Yeah, um, and I'm sure you're looking for similar kind of growth. Yeah, I mean, if you look, yeah, it's a massive, massive market. Um, and that's a good. That's a that's an opportunity as well. I mean, the it's an underserved market. There's not a lot of feels one of one of five or ten companies you can list that is in the space. Um, huge, huge market. Um, but that's that's underserved. So there's a big opportunity for companies to come in and kind of help people through the process of, of death and and dying. Yeah, and of course I didn't I didn't bring you on here to talk about your competitors. Yes, yeah, fine. Um, let's uh, yeah, let, let's hear the story behind uh, creating Guardian Angel and. Uh, and also, I mean, I understand it's a personal story, but also what, um, you know, did you have any relevant professional experience before you founded the business? Yeah, so it's a good question. I don't, I, I'll go through the, the founding yeah. story. I, I don't think anyone's really expert in, in death and dying. So I think I've, I've kind of come through that transition. Um, I mean, I was I, traditionally, uh, my old job was in, in financial services. I was a equity analyst at a sell side investment bank. So very, um, you know, analytical Um I unfortunately lost my mother uh, when I was 27. Um, she died very suddenly, was in a car accident. Um, and so I think because it was a sudden death, it was so unexpected and unplanned. So everything I had to go through and my family had to go through was heightened, which really identified the problems in the industry. You know, if you if you have time to plan, then it's a little less friction. I stay, still say it's a terrible thing to go yeah. through, but you know, you've got more planning. Um, so I, everything was heightened. I went through it... Um, I guess I was a budding entrepreneur at that point, but didn't know it. Um, 
and everything I was going through, I just couldn't believe there wasn't providers in the space that I was used to, which is effectively digital first companies. Um, went through it in a very traditional way and then took about six months out, traveled to Mexico, had some time out on the way to the UK and decided I couldn't find, like to your point, massive market, no one really in it. Um, I decided to, to, to build a company that could help people go through what my family did. So Yeah, and it, and it sounds like your own experience of it was that it was slow, difficult, challenging. And I, I take your point. It's got to be pretty, well, a pretty severe um, problem if you're going to create your own company off the back of it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Right now, I'm, I'm of half a mind to, to automate a state agency. If anyone wants to help me do that, <laughs> then please get in touch. Um, but... This, you know, it must have been a pretty rough process. Yeah, well, it's it's the the biggest the thing the, the biggest eye opener is how many people you have to deal with. So it's you know it's one event and you're you know if you want to you know invest there's you're not generally one professional you can deal with. With death, it's just across a, you know a range of professionals. So you're getting different not only different advice but different feedback, different opinions, um, and you know from planning to, to to insurances to 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 legal and it's it's just really confusing unless you do it every day, which mm-hmm. luckily people don't. Yeah, and and how does Guardian Angel help to just remove all that fuss? I mean, how much can you automate? How much can you can you trust to, you know, is it an app or is it just a you know how how are you doing this? Yeah, so the the post death support stuff um, is where we started, which is bereavement help effectively, um, and that is just private secure groups for families to mm-hmm. kind of engage with post death, um, and we think the the best people to help you through that process is your friends and family. So we definitely try to bring those together and technology allows you to do that. Um, I think with mum's funeral, about 150 people streamed in and that was in 2016 when you know death tech was just becoming a thing. We still managed to get people in. So that's the, the, the pre-death um, process. And then it's connecting that into the planning side of things. And where we can innovate there is it's the current market, if you're wanting to plan, is fragmented. And so we're able to, to create one uh, product which is called Bow, and that allows you to write your will and do your life insurance in one go with one platform, one 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 process, and that makes the process more efficient. You're not having to, to fill in the information at the same time. You're not having to go give your date of birth to four different professionals. You know, it's, it's, it's simple things, but there's nothing in market for that. So we've just consolidated that down. Yeah, and and let's look at something else as well, which is the affordability of well, of dying. Like <laughs> it's. Uh, you know, there is such a thing as funeral poverty. Mm. And, and according to Statista, the the average cost of dying in the UK was over £9,000 for a mm. few years. Uh, it dipped just under that in 2021. And these costs are things like the basic funeral, the send-off, fees for cremation or burial, uh, the funeral director, doctor, minister, celebrant, um, you know, whichever you use, uh, flowers, order sheets, limos, mm. venues, catering, yeah. you know, for a wake. There's, there's, there's so much involved in such an expensive thing um you know and in in 2020 actually royal london estimated that nine percent of people faced with organizing a funeral actually struggled to pay for it Mm. so you know is there anything you can do about that from from your perspective yeah we we kind of i I look at it slightly different if you flip it on its head so i think um the reason those costs are there um i personally don't think um there's a the, the cause of that is unpreparedness so if you if you're not involved in the planning so if i die tomorrow what do i want to happen if i don't have that discussion and i was unfortunately to die tomorrow mm-hmm. my family and friends are going to try plan a send-off for me that they think i would want and because they're not trying to you know cut costs on my send-off they start to upsell themselves into things and just trying to make it such a special day whereas i think um if you sit down with someone before they die and have a, have a conversation of what you want maybe a lot of those additional costs that are coming into the market would be would be stripped out um and then you know rather than having a you know 
a, a big expensive funeral why not a, a small ceremony and then a, a big party or something like i would want or a barbecue something yeah. more like that and that would be more cost effective so i think i think putting plans in place will alleviate that that stress and that additional cost but um yeah and a lot of the statistics only actually report people going into to debt but there's a lot of people that borrow money from friends and family so there's a lot more people that there's the unknown debt is probably a lot larger than 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 nine percent yeah. yeah i can imagine and uh, and from for guardian angels so far how many people have used your services yeah so across about one hundred and sixty thousand have come through the platform wow. that's across pre-planning and um, post-death support um and we look at it very holistically so we don't you know we, we try not to se separate that side of the business to to pre-planning post-death support we combine it as one kind of we view death holistically, so let's talk about it holistically. And so, yeah, it's about 160,000 across both of those those parts. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> talking about uh, viewing it holistically, something else that I stumbled upon when I was reading on this, and this is, I've got to say, this is one of the most interesting topics I've read about <laughs> on <laughs> for the Wealth Tech Show. I really enjoy you know, digging into things, but but death tech in particular is interesting. Um, there's such a thing as the digital legacy market, which mm. we were discussing uh, before we started recording. So uh, a few things on this. In 2020, the Good Trust Survey in the United States found that 90% of Americans don't know what happens to their digital assets. And that includes emails, photos, social media, and online banking. And, and as you mentioned to me earlier, Sam, you could you could no doubt add crypto to that mm. and, and the right kind of access codes that you would need. Um, and you know, in the, in the week ending 4th of March, 2022, uh, there were 11,225 deaths in England and Wales, which is not an unusual figure. So this is a market which is big, and people don't know what they're doing with digital legacy. Um, and to give you an idea of what digital legacy actually is, I mean, it's the idea of leaving something behind after you die that people will, will have you know, to remember you by or some access to things you've done. Um, there are companies doing some interesting things, again, in America, because America just does this stuff <laughs> in a like wild way that I find really interesting. Um, <clears throat> there's a company called Parting Stones, which turns cremation ashes into stones. Mm. Um, and there is actually a $500 million industry dedicated to turning ashes into nicer things. Uh, along the si same lines as Eterniver, which was featured on the US show Shark Tank, that turns ashes into diamonds. <laughs> and then there's something called Reduction, which which turns your body into soil. Right. Yeah. So if you ever, you know, what, what did you want to be? I wanted to be soil. Mm. Um, yeah. Digital legacy. Do you do you do much on that, Sam? Yeah. Has that crossed your you know, your your path. We, we think it's a big part of it, um, and we. I mean, I think in the next ten years, I think I think Facebook released that in the next ten years there'll be more um, more dead people on the internet than alive in regards to, um, to <laughs> regards to footprint, which is, is a mad thing to think about, right? Yeah. And so it's because it's um, you know face, Facebook and, and user numbers say that are declining, and then so as more and more people don't have a plan for their digital assets, they'll start to build up. Um, and we our, our planning tool, which is called Bo, um, has a range of services in it. Um, the most popular by a long shot is um, social media and and password plan because that's um, how the, the out of compared to a will it's about four times the amount of requests for that which makes sense because because you know you're now so online every day dealing with digital platforms what happens to your facebook when you die mm -hmm. um can people have access to it do you want your you know your mum to have access to your phone um, th those type of things you can have discussion but unless you plan it in advance it's it's kind of you're not going to have a say in what happens post-death yeah it's amazing i kind of wonder where this all ends as well i mean i remember the um you watch black mirror yes yeah. the, the san junipero episode that was something else and 
maybe that's the uh, the, the, the kind of weird path we're on. Yeah, it's it, who who knows what it will pay, but I think I think in regards to death tickets, just getting started, and a lot of those things like account closures, another thing which which links to your digital footprint. What do you want to happen? Do you just want someone to go and control all delete? Um, and there'll be services I think over the next ten years that will come out that allow kind of the erasion of your digital legacy if that's what you want um, to be really easy. But there's also companies in the US that are doing um, setting up. I think there's a, there's a company that sets up and allows you to tweet from the grave in the sense that you can you can pre-plan years of tweets after you die that gets sent out. And I, I think, I mean, if that's your personality and what you want to do, then then sure. I mean, that, it could be a trigger alert for people. You've but, given me dangerous ideas yeah. here, Sam. <laughs> tweet from the grave. No one, no one, can, no one can respond. <laughs> God, yeah, I, I enjoy that idea far too much. <laughs> I mean, how much of people's kind of demands and requests do you see? I realize you're running the business, mm. so you possibly don't have the chance to get too granular. But do, mm. you, do you get much insight into what people want when they're planning ahead these days yeah well i mean ultimately i think early early stage tech ceo as a product manager to start with when we were building the products i was across a lot of the user behavior so i did see a lot i mean we we've had we've had things from people wanting to put their ashes and one guy particularly wanted to put his ashes um and to mix it with melted cheese form it into a cannonball and fire it out <laughs> over the thames um, and and i that's one of the stories i always use because i think yeah. what that shows is um you know would he have would he have had that conversation in a lawyer's office i really doubt it um so because he's able to do his digital death planning at home he's probably that's, that's his personality coming out and whether or not his family would have executed those wishes um, is another story. But that would have been a humorous thing for them to read at a time that's pretty rough. Um, and I think that's his personality in a nutshell coming out. And I think that's that's the idea of being more being being able to plan more on your own time as allows your personality to come into it rather than just this is my assets these are my beneficiaries you know here's my will yeah. uh, you know so yeah I, I do see a lot of it um, and yeah we've had we've had. I can't probably go into some of the stories. I don't know if it's yeah. appropriate for the show, but we've seen some very weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to raise any scandalous security <laughs> issues over over your product, but mm. I'm now wondering if this uh, this cheese cannonball guy had left his password lying around somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, uh, that might explain it. Um, look to get to ground things uh, back into the world of financial services, as I as I have to. Um, are you working with many financial advisors or wealth managers? Uh, you know, on their client banks and, and, you know, using this as part of the financial planning journey? Yeah, it's definitely the, the next step. So the, the focus for this stage was getting a product that was um, use, usable for consumers um, to, to, to kind of direct to consumer. Uh, and we work with very large employers and charities across the country to distribute our services to their staff and, um, and supporters. The next step would be working with financial advisors on saying, you know, you can force people through an offline process if that's what they want, but there's only so many that are going to go through it. And as Gen Zs and millennials come into the idea of writing their will, um, buying their first home and getting life insurance, um, if they want a digital solution um, you know financial advisors are going to have to have partners like us um, they can do it themselves but technology is complicated um, there's a lot of work involved in creating a user journey that's easy um, and so that definitely is the next phase of what we're what we're aiming to do mm -hmm. um, we've got early chats with a few, few financial advisor firms yeah and it might be too early to say but are you seeing generational differences in how people approach a funeral um, yes definitely um, uh, a lot a younger generation is generally more around um, celebration of life so we ask a few questions through the will but it's definitely more of a small funeral low cost and then some sort of party or celebration now that may change as they get older so what would be interesting to see is how many of those wishes change as they get older and have children because obviously when yeah. you've got children there's a bit more to it um, and versus the older demographic um, but but um, we've got two 
and this was the, without optimization, which I find quite fascinating, um, the two user bases, uh, under 35s and over 55s, no one really in the middle. Um, and that's, I think, makes sense on where they are in the planning stage for death and dying. So, Yeah, what, what do you think the, the prompt is for younger people? Is it, do you think, possibly the passing of parents or grandparents that prompts them to do it themselves, or is it something else, maybe? Yeah, it's a good question. So there's, there's always triggers in life. Um, I think the two main are children um, and uh, the death of a loved one. I think I think they're mm. the two, and that, and that is why that's where we got to got into death planning actually from bereavement support. As mm. a lot of the people on our platform were asking about things like wills and probate yeah. and what do we do, and we were thinking, well, like, so like nearly half our families were going through you know problems with not having a will in place, which is what my family had to go through. And the best way to alleviate all those problems is actually the person who had died to to had 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 a plan in place, which they don't. So obviously you can't get them to plan, but those people around it see that friction, see the cost, like you said, the, the nine grand, they see the mm -hmm. legal fees and the fact that they've got to go find assets. And they say, well, I don't want that to happen when I die. And it triggers them to take an action. The problem is if they're then having to go to four professionals, they get a bit, once that novelty wears off and that, that kind of desire to do it wears off, they just don't still don't plan. So what we're trying to do is make it that while, while that person's looking at planning today or next week, we can make them you know go through the process in 10, 15 minutes and they're done. Yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. And also I find it interesting that I didn't even think to mention having kids myself as a prompt for these things. That's a proper say you live in London without saying you live in London moment, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what can you do? Um, all right, so... Without um, wanting to be too dark, and I think you've already kind of helped at the start of this podcast by by removing some of that taboo around the topic, I might, I might bring some in here. Obviously, we've just been through a pandemic. Mm. That was a moment where where will writing shot through the roof, didn't it? People started yep. really paying attention. Has has COVID actually been pretty helpful to you as a you know as a business founder, showing off what it is that you do? Yeah, I, th I think so. I think if 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 death tech didn't soar during a pandemic, I don't think it ever would have, right? So it <laughs> yeah. um it did as a concept, but but I yeah. think what that actually was is a translation of consumers becoming more aware with mortality. I mean, we were tracking death rates on the news, so I, I don't think it was us that we were able to push. You know, we weren't taking advantage of the situation. A lot more volume came to us. So I mean, uh, two weeks after the the pan the, the that March lockdown period, our website volume was up nine hundred percent. That's mm -hmm. not with us increasing advertising. That was just coming. People looking for it. Um, and that hasn't actually pitted away. So it's 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 ma maintained thing. Our bow starts with a um, a credit score for death. So we, we, we rank people on a scale of 1 to 100, how prepared they are if they were to die tomorrow, based on circumstances and questions they give us. So we ask 15 questions, and then we effectively like a clear score for death style service. Um, that probably wouldn't have been possible four years ago we would have you know people could have been quite hostile but um people are yeah. you know, loving the service about 30 percent of people are using it it's, yeah. it's really good really good process yeah yeah you should call it expiring <laughs> yeah I'm sorry expiring that's good actually i'm very no. sorry for that but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <get out> <laughs> oh god anyway sorry back to the, pod, uh, the podcast yeah, yeah um <laughs> so here's another thing right um financial advisors want their clients to be looked after mm. um in a way that is empathetic and understands their, their kind of very human needs. And the idea of, of getting technology into the death process might be, I don't know, sometimes it seems like the wrong way to go about it, doesn't it? I think people think of empathy and technology as two mm. you know, distinct islands. What would your response to that be? Do you, do you think that technology can, can help be more empathetic? Or, or is, it, is it something you've got to be mindful of? Are there certain parts of the process where you have to 
you know, step in and say, actually, this isn't for technology to do? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. So again, kind of flip that question on its head. Um, does does Will Riding need to be empathetic? Um, well, I think the brand and the, and the people dealing with it should be. But ultimately, what we're trying to do is alleviate friction after death so that families can be with their loved ones and focus on dealing with grief and dying, not whether a will's written right or go through bereavement issues with like you know lawyers and, and stuff. So I think I think by eliminating all the easy friction of of death preparedness, so that when the death occurs, it's it's less there's less friction involved. That allows families to to spend more time with friends and family. So I think there is a place for empathy. Um, and ultimately, what we've found is that people are doing this for their loved ones, not for themselves. Um, it's a selfless act preparing for death because you're, you're obviously you're you're dead so you're doing this <laughs> you're doing yeah. this for your loved ones um and yeah. that is, that that's that's uh the, where empathy can come through as the person driving that planning as well yeah okay um and gonna say for yourself on a kind of basic human level and working with people who manage their grief and their estates i want to ask you kind of a, a bigger question it was what's it taught you about life um you know and how people find meaning and purpose because you know the financial side's great and all that but when it comes to financial planning people do it so that people can get what they want out of life what experience have you have you had from speaking to people about their their kind of final days uh, and and how has it guided you into better understanding the kind of human experience yeah so it's a really that's a really good question uh, quite hard to answer i'd say i've learned a lot about death which i guess yeah. guess is is is, is natural <laughs> for what we do um yeah. and it's um yeah i think d death and grief is is uh, uh unlived oh, i can't even think it's like unexpressed love right that's what you're dealing with you're you're going through this and and i think what we what i've seen is that it's going from when you started the show you were talking about death being morbid um which is which is a normal response and we get we get two types of people people oh if i die just put me in the bin and, and roll me out you know type type attitude but what i'm we're really starting to see and i think maybe COVID has triggered that is people are really starting to understand that this is like i said before this is for their loved ones um and i've learned a lot about people people becoming more engaged with the idea of preparing for death, um, which is quite good to see because when I started this in 2016, uh, you know, even talking to investors was hard. It was like, well, what are you, what kind of space are you in death? What's like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. It's become a lot easier. And I think that's really nice to see is that death's becoming, you know, we never used to talk about mental health and now we're starting to talk about, we talk about mental health mm -hmm. very openly, death's starting to happen and that's starting to, to change. And I think that's really exciting. And that's a good thing I've gone, gone, gone through as well. Yeah, uh, and that's a great answer because I've, I've kind of asked you for the meaning of life there, and you've done you've done well, though. <laughs> yeah, I guess as a, as a side to that, though, one thing I've really learned in, in the startup ecosystem is that um, when people are passionate about what they do, um, that's it's like. Um, you, you see a lot of people in the startup ecosystem that are doing things with, out of passion. And so many founders have messaged me about my story, like losing mum and then creating mm -hmm. a business. And there's so many founders out there doing something, not in death. I, I kind of went very honed <laughs> in on the issue, right? I'm going to yeah. start a death company. But these people that have started like yoga businesses and I'm very different, but it's like, how did they deal with grief? They started, they dealt with grief through meditation and yoga. And now they've, you know, created a series of studios to help people deal with yoga. You know, so you see a lot of that come out. And I think it's learned me a lot about like, if you're ever going to start a business, it has to be what you're passionate about and that that's contagious when you when you speak to them so yeah yeah look th sam thank you so much you've given us a great insight into death tech and what you do <laughs> we've learned about cheese cannonball guy <laughs> uh, and i like to think that expirian has legs yeah, yeah i think so you know i'm doing my best with that um sam thank you for joining the wealth tech show thank you for having me and thank you to everyone who's listened in we'll be back again next week <laughs>